So let's preach on this. Let's talk about this. I want to talk about a ring and a robe, a ring and a robe. Let me just read a couple verses, and then we're going to have David's going to come, and David's going to read this story to you that you've heard a hundred times, but I want him to read it. So Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, beginning, let me read those first couple verses first. Verse 1, then all the tax collectors and the sinners, they kind of put them together even today, right? All the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him, and the Pharisees and scribes, the church people, complained. That's what they do best. Saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Can I hear it? Oh, eating with sinners. They'll, they'll contaminate us. We kind of act that way sometimes, though. Come on. Wait, I wasn't done. Then Jesus said, once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead and distributed among the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry, for there was a severe famine in that land. So he begged a farmer in th that country to hire him. The, father hi the farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. The son was so famished, he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humili humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing, and he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house, and I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring me the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. And bring me out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. Now the older son was out working in the field when his brother returned. And as he approached the house, he heard the music of celebration and dancing. So he called over one of the servants and asked, What's going on? The servant replied, It's your younger brother. He's returned home, and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. This is why you're reading it. <laughs> so his father came out and pleaded with him, Come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, Father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? And I never once disobeyed you. 
but you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you ever given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But look at this son of yours. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. The father said, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. It's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he is alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. Yes. Amen. Give him a hand. Good job, man. Good job. Amen. What a, what a, what a great story. Um, Rembrandt, have you heard of Rembrandt? Uh, I know you don't remember him. Some of you, most of you aren't that old. But he had a portrait of the uh, prodigal son. Some people have just just looked at this portrait for hours and hours and just kept looking at it. And I know, um, but uh, just obviously that's the father on the left and the, the returning son. The guy on the right is, is the older brother, right? So we're going to be referencing this as we, as we go through this. But this was one of the last paintings that Rembrandt did. And, and as he painted it, uh, he's a very different man than he was when he was a young guy. And he, he was very much the prodigal when he was younger, and he was hard to live with. But uh, later, as he went through life, he lost five out of six children to death, lost his wife to death, lived with two other women. They both died. tell you, if you're a woman, stay away from him. You don't want to, don't be dating Rembrandt. Amen. Uh, at this point in his life, he's, he's nearly blind. He's painting, but he's, he's nearly blind. Uh, he, he is really, he's been wealthy and he's been broke. He's been through everything in life and his paintings reflect this. And now, now, now he's, he's old and, and he, he paints this picture of this loving father, and he paints this picture of this, this older son looking on, and he sees this, uh, and he paints this picture uh, of, of the younger son. And, and then this is kind of the mother maybe, but we don't know who the woman is. And then there's another man here who's just beating his chest. I'll, I'll, I'll reference that in a minute. But... He's, 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 at a, he's at this uh, late stage in life, and the Holy Spirit laid this message on my heart, I preached, of course, on the prodigal before, and um, you wonder, you know, there's so many different ways of looking at this. Should we look at it through the eyes of the, of the younger son, uh, through the eyes of the father, through the eyes of, of the uh, older son? And the Lord just told me all three because the Lord told me I've been all three. And I, you know, I thought, oh, wait, wait a minute, I've been all three? And the Lord said, yeah, dummy, you were. You've been all three. Can we start with the younger son? I've been the younger son. Anybody, anybody been the younger son? My parents raised me to live, to do better, <laughs> right? I was raised in a strict uh, Catholic home. We, we lived right except for 
but we understood the scriptures. We understood Bible stories. We, you know, we were, we were told never leave the church. And we were, you know, just kind of anchored as children. I, I went to church six days out of seven uh, the first uh, eight years of my schooling education. Went to a Catholic school. I knew all about, I knew what would happen if I left the Catholic church. There was no hope for me, right? Uh, so we, you know, I knew all this stuff, but when I, when I got to that age of 18, mm-hmm, me, me and my, me and my mother did not get along. <clears throat> and every time she kind of, in my view, got crazy, I just kept telling myself at 15, 16, 17, one day I'm going to be 18 and I'm out of here. Come on, y'all remember any 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 of you kids, any of you like that when you were young? Uh, whoop, come on, I'm out of here. Now I don't know why I thought the Navy was my ticket to freedom. <laughs> I kind of miscalculated. I went from the frying pan into the fire. I don't, you know, but I figured I I would get away. I would see the world. The slogan for the Navy is, you know. See the world. It's an adventure. Woo! Glory to God. We laughed about that many times. But I, I just figured that was my ticket out. I'd have money. I'd have a job. I'd, I'd see the world. You know, I'd get away from home. And, you know, and, of course, the last couple of years of high school, I don't remember. Let's just leave it like that. And uh, getting into the Navy, same old thing. You know, we were... Party hardy, amen. We did not sleep on weekends. Had a little help from my friends, but we did not sleep. We partied all weekend. I mean, I was the prodigal. I I had a decent job, had a car, but I was barely making it from payday to payday. And I was selling (laughs) and still couldn't make it. I was, uh, I was uh, you know, going beyond my, kicking beyond my coverage there. I was spending more than what was coming in. But I was having a good time. Uh, and, and, you know, I can go into my whole story. I don't have time to get into the story. I've been here 40 years. Some of you heard it 40 times. But uh, we, you know, I went through. I was very much the prodigal. And so I understand what it is to want to get out to feeling like I, I don't want to answer to this old man anymore. I, I, I want my freedom. I want to do what I want to do. You know, you've been holding me back. And, and my parents, it was really weird. When I hit 18, like something clicked in their head, and they're just like, yeah, you're 18. You're out of here. <laughs> maybe I was a greater burden on them than, I, than they were on me, maybe. I don't know. But uh, when I was 18, something just clicked, and they go, oh, you know, nothing I can do. But, you know, you're gone. And, but I, but I, I remember, my, you know, my dad, of course, served and was badly wounded in the Korean War, uh, scars all over the back of his chest, he, uh, his back, rather, and, and I, I almost never, almost never, he never, we, if we go to the beach, he would never take his shirt off. He was so scarred on his back, and he never talked about the war. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Never really talked about it. Never, but, and, I can, and he never he never tried to stop me from signing up. But he had that look in his face like, God, please, don't let him go through. You know, you think about that when your son goes off and he's joining. And there was back then in the 70s, there was all that 
Middle East conflict going on. If you'll remember that, some of you that are really old, you remember that. And uh, so, you know, there was worry there, but he never, he never, my dad never really said a lot. He was a quiet man. And so, you, you know, you, you do that. You sow your oats. You go out there and you live that, that wild life. But it's, as you live it, you, you don't understand. You're spending. You're spending. You're, going, you're, you're firing through things. Not just money, but you're spending your youth. And you're wasting it very quickly. And you're burning it up. You think you're having a party, but you're really spending through your inheritance very fast. And I got to the point where, you know, where partying wasn't fun anymore. And it was just something you do, and you kind of get depressed, and you just keep doing the stuff, and you keep taking the trips, and I don't mean cruises I know my audience. Y'all, 90% of you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> I took about 50 trips. Does that help anybody? That's why my brain cells are the way they are now. But we, you know, we, we partied. We had, we, we, you know, we, but, but it, it ceased to be fun anymore, and it just, just became a depressing lifestyle. And I, I can relate to the prodigal. Is anyone else relating to the prodigal? Amen. But, but watch this. Nowhere in the scriptures does Jesus call him the prodigal. It's not in the word. That's the title that they put on there. They call this the return of the prodigal. But there's a lot more going on here than just the prodigal. Jesus never calls him prodigal. He always calls him son. Listen, I got a word for somebody. Even in sin, you're still a son. You, you may have your moments when you're not doing right, but he still sees you as a son. He still calls you son. Some of you know some family members that have gone away from the Lord, but he's still calling them son. He called him son when he was spending his inheritance. He called him son when he was living off the pig pen in the slop. He called him son when he came home to be a servant. He was always a son. Do you hear what I'm saying? He was always, uh, he was always, it was like when, when, when the father, uh, when Jesus was baptized and had done nothing at that point. All he done was build really great bookshelves. That's all he did. But a voice came out of heaven. This is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. What? What has he done? Nothing. But he, listen, I'm here to tell you the Father is pleased. The Father sees you differently than sometimes you see yourself. And, I want, and as I was preparing this, the Holy Spirit hit me with this, and I hope he hits you with this as well. Because sometimes we say, well, God knows what my potential is. God sees me the way I could be. No, 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 no. He made you in his image. He doesn't see you the way you could be. He sees you the way he made you. About 10 people got that. 
It, it's it's, it's kind of like you make something with your hands. You make it, and it's beautiful, and it's perfect, and everyone's like, wow, that's really something. And then it gets broken. Something Something's wrong with it, or it's just aged, and it's cracked. And, and you, so you say, man, I got, I got to find a way to fix this. But you're not fixing it to become what it will be because it's already been. You're fixing it to return it to its glory. Uh, the Father never made you broken. He made you whole. He made you amazing. He saw you before you were ever born. Made you in his image. He's returned. It's back to the future kind of thing. He's wanting, he's wanting to, he, he calls you son because he saw you as son from the beginning. Y'all better pray. This is going to be a long message. But he demands his stuff. He didn't earn it, but he wanted it. And listen, when he did this, you need to understand, when he did this, this is very wrong. This is rebellious. What he's saying in the Jewish culture is, you're dead to me. He's saying to his father, you're dead to me. What's your response when your children come at you like that? You're dead to me. Are you going to say, well, then you're dead to me? No. No. He was always the son. Always his son. My God. Look look at the portrayal here. Uh, If you could see clearly, uh, it looks like his head is shaved. He's in basically his undergarments. He's lost his clothing. He's got nothing but a rope tied around him. You look down here, one one foot has a ragged old sandal on it, and the other one doesn't have anything on it. They say when you look at the original portrait, it almost looks like his head and clothes are glistening a little bit like they were wet. And I don't know that Rembrandt meant this. So it's one of two things. He's either portraying him as a slave and a servant who has lost it all. That's okay. But maybe he's also with the wet head and everything. Maybe he's portraying him as born again. Coming out of the womb. Glory to God. I'm sure you've seen it on TV when when they show a real live birth and a a live man. That baby is not pretty. It is a mess. It has to be cleaned up, and he's that mess right now. And the father's just hugging him. The father has on 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 this hand. It's it's a strong, embracing, holding hand. And on this hand, the fingers are spread out, and it's like he's not he's not holding him there. He's comforting him. The father is our strength and our comfort, and he makes up for our weaknesses, and he makes up for what you got to understand. Back then, eighty percent of all people were what you would call poor. And most poor people did not wear shoes. Shoes are a modern invention. If you, had, if you lived out in the wilderness, maybe you could get an animal skin and wrap it around your foot or something. But shoes were reserved for wealthy people. There's, 
There's an old, uh, uh, there's an old uh, 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 African-American spiritual, and I don't know how it's sung, but the words, can I use the accent? Can I use it? <laughs> and I, I can't sing it because I don't know what it sounds like, but it's, it's something like this. All God's children got shoes. When I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my shoes. I'm going I'm to walk all over heaven. They grew up and lived and died without shoes. Most people did not wear shoes. Amen. But, oh, when you meet Jesus, you get your shoes back. Hallelujah. When we get to heaven, we're going to walk all over heaven. With our shoes. Oh, my God. If anyone knows that song, we're singing it next Sunday. But number two, watch this. I've been the prodigal. I've been the older son. Oh, now you're going to get quiet on me. Because none of you think you are. But I've been the older son. When I, when I was saved, I was brought into the church of God. And when I say church of God, I mean old church of God. I'm talking holiness church. Can anyone feel me now? Holiness church. And, we did, and there were people, there were mothers. We didn't call them mothers, but they, that's what they were. There were mothers in the church that would just sit there and examine the saints. That woman cut her hair this week. Mm-hmm. If you came to the altar, ladies, and you were wearing pants, you were escorted back to your seat. If not out the back door, <laughs> you did not wear jewelry. I don't know why we hit the ladies so much. It's the men that are lusting. Now I got the men mad at me. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, come on, the old, the old church. And I, I, I was, man, I was caught up in that. You know, it, it, you know, I mean, I was ex-Catholic, but I, I, I went from Catholic to full steam ahead Pentecostal overnight. Ha! Glory to God. But I, I, picked up that, I picked up that self-righteous attitude. I began to think, well, come on, if, you, if you're a Christian, you look like one and you act like one. And if you're not, I'm going to sit you down. The sermons that got the church going, quote, unquote, were the clothesline sermons. Y'all remember the clothesline sermons? And they would go through all the things you're not supposed to do. And, all, and none of those 50 people are doing that, but they're all like, Now, I get into that whole thing about righteousness. Self. We, don't, we don't have time to get into that. But you understand what I'm saying. And that happened for the first few years I was saved. And then I went to college. And at Lee University, I met some liberals. I met some Church of God future preachers. They went swimming. I remember thinking... These people are just liberals, and they're just, they're just lightening the standards, and one thing will lead to another, and before you know it, before you know it, people will be coming to church in their jeans. Oh, 
Now listen, listen, nothing's changed in my heart. I believe in holiness as much then as I do now. Listen, I'm telling you, we say, well, God is love. Well, yeah, God is love. Uh, we understand that. The Bible says God is light. We understand that. But the Bible also says God is holy. And let me tell you this too. When you get to heaven, the angels aren't rolling around the throne saying, God is love. God is love. They're, say, they're not saying love, love, love. They're saying holy, holy, holy. But it is not our holiness. It is Christ living in us. The hope of glory. That's your, he is your holiness. If we live right, maybe you've got all kinds of strict standards. God bless you. I'm not, but listen, live as, live as strictly as you want to. But do it because you love Jesus, not because you think you're better than somebody else. It took me years to get over that. And finally last year, God saved me. Whew. Just preaching about the older brother wears me out. The older brother, the older son. Now watch this. The father always calls him son. He's a son. But his problem is he thinks he's owed something. He thinks, see, the one son finally got to the point where they said, I'm, 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 just, I'm just nothing. I'm just going to go back. And earlier in life, the younger son said, I'm worth taking everything that daddy's got, and I'm just going to live the way I want to live. But did you notice when David was reading about the older son, the older son, I've worked like a slave. There's the problem. You've lived like a slave. You're in bondage to your rules. And here's what Paul said, just real quick, what Paul says about rules and the law. He said the law is good as kind of a buffer to keep you on track. But rules and regulations are for weak Christians. The mature son mm, is led by the Spirit. And when you're led by the Spirit, you don't have to worry about rule keeping because you're in love with Jesus and it just comes natural. Whoa, God is good. But I've been, I've been that. And... And, and honestly, for, for many years when we first came to pastor, we had to fight that same spirit, right? Because that, that was in the church. Come on, old timers, get, stay with me. It was there. I, I've mourned and wept. I said, I wonder how many people have been sent to hell because of our judgmental, self-righteous attitudes thinking we're better than them and you've got to get out of here unless you look, unless you clean yourself up. Listen, what good is it to clean yourself up on the outside if you're not right on the inside? And if they're right on the inside, who are you to judge the outside? The outside will come. Come on, church. 
the older son, the older son. We're not sure what he's thinking. His hands aren't embracing anybody. His hands are like, I don't know if he's plotting something or if he's thinking or if he, what am I going to do about this? How, what's my response? We've all been that old son to one degree or another. His sin is harder to identify because <laughs> his sin is all about I'm not getting my due. It really reminds me about this guy over here is on his knees like this. And it reminds me of the, the tax collector and the sinner. Or the I mean the Pharisee and the tax collector. Right? And the tax collector says, Forgive me, for I have sinned. And and and, and the Pharisee's like, Lord, I'm so thankful I'm not like that poor wretch. Come on, older sons, it's time to repent. It's time to repent. Number three, I want to be like the Father. And I'm trying to be like the Father. Whenever we preach this, we just preach about, oh, that's God the Father. Here's how he loves us. Here's how he embraces his sons. He loves them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're supposed to be like him. Well, you're even quieter on point three. I'm not saying I've arrived. I don't think any of us have arrived. But I want to be like the Father. He's always looking for his sons, not judging his sons. He doesn't judge the older son. Notice we don't even hear his voice until we don't even hear him talk until the son comes back and the older son won't go into the party. We need people to stop piddling around the house and get out on the porch and start looking for sons. We're spending way too much time in the house watching spiritual TV and worshiping at St. Mattress and feeding ourselves in the kitchen while there's lost people walking by the house. And we don't care. We say things like, they know where the house is. You know, all they got to do is. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says, Jesus says, I'm knocking. I'm trying to get in. There's a lot of churches, they, they don't really care. They say they do, but they don't really want the presence of God. They don't really want Jesus walking because they really don't want to get blood on the carpets. It's time to open the doors and get out of the four walls and let's be the father. Where's that cousin of mine? Where's that grandchild of mine? My neighbor, I see him every day. I've never seen. Come on, that, 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 that sinner I work with. Don't, don't just walk. Don't, don't come home and talk about how bad they are. You need to come home and talk about how burdened you are. Am I getting through to anybody? You need to understand what's happening here because the Bible says when he sees him, he doesn't just say, oh, I just can't wait for him to get here. He lifts up his, but men back there wore 
the long robes, especially if you had some money. So the Bible says he lifts up his robe to run. You know what's, you know what, you know what's going on there? He's exposing himself. He's saying, I'm going to be vulnerable. I don't care what the city thinks. I don't care what the elders in the city think. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what the family, I don't care what my older son, what he thinks. I'm, my son is on his way home. And by the way, he wasn't the first one to expose himself for somebody else. Jesus hung naked on the cross and exposed himself for you and me. He left nothing. To the imagination. He said, here I am. I'm here for you. All that I am is yours. Wow. Wow. Some of you will get that later. Here's something else you got to remember. According to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, if your son acted like that, it's called rebellion, and you had the legal right and responsibility to call for the elders and stone him to death. Now, that's harsh. We can't get our heads wrapped around that. But there's something about generations in the Old Testament. It's important to safeguard that and to protect that. And God just said, if your son insists on being rebellion, rebellious, you can stone him. You know why he was running to get to the gate? He wanted to get ahead of those elders with the rocks in their hands and let them know, you're not stoning my son. He's coming home. I forgive him. Aren't you glad Jesus got to you before someone else got to you? I don't know about your history, but, but I should still be in jail for the things I've done. I, I, I'm not in jail because I, you know, I'm not in jail because I never did anything wrong. I'm not in jail because I was smart enough not to get caught. Oh, I'm so offended, some of you. I don't know how, but yes, I do. Because all the while I was doing what I thought I was doing, God had a plan. He was working behind the scenes. He was setting me up for a miracle. Come on, church, you know what I'm saying. It's not about you made a decision one day. It was about God setting you up for salvation before you ever knew him. He saw you from the porch and came running, came running to you. To protect his son. The father's willing to take risks. He's willing to be hurt. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get to you. It looks like he is blessing his son. The Latin word for blesses, benedice, B E N E D I C E R, benedice, and it literally means to speak well over somebody. You have the power to bless by speaking well, speaking healing, speaking wholeness over people. That's how you bless them. Wow. We say bless the Lord. How do you bless God? By speaking well, by praising him. And the Father is blessing him. Church, we've got now, I'll, I'll lead anyone to Jesus that I find. You know that. But listen, you're the sheep. Quit just, 
You know, some of you haven't been sheared in so long. But, uh, did you ever see a sheep that has too much wool? <laughs> That's that wool. Just, and they're going like, I'm keeping my wool. Yeah, it's full of bugs too. How many know shearing is good for the sheep? <laughs> yeah, uh, the ushers are coming again. <laughs> we, we have got to start identifying with the Father. <laughs> yeah, I forgot something about the shoes. Another reason that they were so anxious to wear shoes. Really, if you don't wear shoes, your feet toughen up, and it's really better for you to... I'm not getting anywhere. To, to not wear shoes, it strengthens your feet. It's, it's actually better for you. But one of the things, there were a lot of snakes, and shoes protected. They're usually they were laced up, just leather laced up, and that protected you from snake bites. Hello, devil. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Protection and mission, all that stuff, going back to sh Okay, that was, I chased a rabbit over there. I had to go chase him. Here we go. We need to be like the Father. He gives him a ring, which is, represents inheritance and authority. And remember, the ring is not just for, it's not just for a decoration. The ring had the, the family emblem on it. So when you sealed a letter, you put wax on it, and you took your ring and put it into the wet wax, and that identified, sealed who that letter is from. And if it's broken, then you know someone got in it. He gives us a ring, authority. Whew. And it's not our family on the ring. It's him on the ring. Take that, devil. I got a word for you. Boom. Seal it. And there it is. A ring and a robe. And the robe, of course, is covering its protection but it's also identity. Often robes identified which family you were a part of. It certainly identified what class you were a part of. It It identified your place in the world. But it's not just the Father offering this. We need to be like the Father, and we need to say to the world, we've got a ring. We've got a robe for you. We've got shoes for your feet. And we need to offer them a ring and a robe. Stop being comfortable and start being evangelists. We say things like, oh, I bear fruit. I bear fruit all the time. But listen, <laughs> we, we see an apple tree. When we see apples on it, we say, oh, it's bearing fruit. We look at people in the church and we say, oh, I see fruit. The, the, nine, gifts of the nine fruit of the Spirit. But let me tell you the real fruit. Because apples on an apple tree multiply. I mean, add. But the real fruit of an apple tree is another apple tree. That's called multiplication. Because in every tree, apple tree, there are thousands of seeds. In you, there are thousands of seeds. We're not just talking about fruit as far as your character and the way you act. We're talking about fruit in reproduction, planting other trees. 
Am I getting, am I, is it too late? Am I too late? The next several weeks, I guess after Pastor Appreciation, but you can invite them this Sunday too. It would be great. But I want you to pray. If nothing else, just pray this. Lord, give me my one. Just give, I'm out on the porch. Give me my one. Figure out who it is. Start praying. Maybe God will send someone else, but you need to be praying. You need to, what should I say? What should I do? How do I? And and it's not about what you say. It's about your heart. Don't worry about what you say. Just, just, Just love them. Just be the father. Just be the father. <laughs> Quit criticizing. Quit, talk, t- quit talking ugly to family members. Just be the father. I like that scripture that says we're, we're supposed to be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. I've lived by that scripture. You know, don't be stupid. Be discerning. Know what you're dealing with. Know what demons and devils you might have to deal with, all that stuff. You, you need to know that. The Bible says you'll know them by their fruits. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about be discerning in the spirit. Be harmless. Don't be manipulative. Be harmless as a dove and love them. Get out on the porch and start looking. You don't have to go, go out into the city. Just get out of the house. Just get on the porch. Henry Nguyen, uh, N-O-U-W-E-N, I read a lot of his books. He's actually an ex, or I mean, he actually is a Catholic priest, but this guy is in the deep things of God. It's an amazing, he's written many books. They're all amazing. But he said there's three ways to the Father. You, gotta, you have to embrace, I'll close with this. Worship team, come on. Maybe that'll encourage me. Here they are. Here they are. Listen to me. You have to embrace grief. You have to embrace forgiveness. And you have to embrace generosity. And by that, he means you have to feel what they feel. You have to hurt the way they hurt. You have to know where they're coming from. How many know the Father The Father sees the wretchedness? How many know he smelled like a pig trough? He's basically in his underwear. He's got nothing left. And he just, you have, to, you have to be willing to share some pain. And number two, you have to be willing to forgive. Yeah, but you don't know. No, no. Seventy times. And don't start counting them up when you get to 70 quit. I think the implication is pretty clear. Just keep forgiving. Be like the father. Don't be like the older son. And then his third word is generosity. He threw a party. He killed the fatted calf. He called all the hired servants in. Man, he pulled all the plugs out. Listen, when somebody gets saved, we ought to rejoice like there's... The Bible says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels 
over one soul. By the way, that's in the same chapter. That same chapter is about the parable of the coin, lost coin, and the parable of the, of, of the lost sheep. All three are in Luke chapter 15. And in, in that same chapter, it says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. And people say, oh, the angels are rejoicing. It can mean that, but it can also mean that the angels are watching him, God, rejoice. Believe me, the Father's not sitting, all right, y'all put, put a good party on. No, he's rejoicing. And the angels are rejoicing, and I think we should be rejoicing. We need to make a big deal over it. Listen, if your loved ones get saved, we'll, we'll turn, we'll turn every, we'll do everything we can to let them know we got you covered we don't care what you look like smell like where you've been what you've done what you've wasted we're just here to who do you see from the porch do you see anybody on the porch between now and Easter can you get them I want you to hear this because Never in my whole 40 years here, I've never known a time when there's so many people needing Jesus. Never. I've never known a time there's so many people looking for a healthy church. There's never been a time like this. There are literally tens of thousands of people in this county and the surrounding counties. I think we draw from like eight counties. There's people all around us that are sick and tired of the pig pen. They might be from churches that disappointed them, churches that abandoned them, churches that didn't, didn't care about them, but they're coming back. They're looking for, they're looking for someone. They're tired of going to the elder, the elder son isn't much help. They don't want to live like this. When I lived like this, I wasn't joyful. I'll share this quick story with you. I don't remember much from the past. I had just a couple pastors before I, was, before I went into the ministry. Basically, I've never really had a pastor in my life. But I remember I was cleaning the church one day, and, and this pastor, he said something that offended me. <laughs> yeah, pastors can offend. He said, I'll tell you one thing. If I didn't have joy in what I'm doing, I would quit. And that elder son in me, what? You have to serve God whether you're happy or not. You got to serve God. doesn't matter how hard. And I looked at him like, well, you're easy. Years later, this came back to me and the Holy Spirit brought it back. And the Holy Spirit said, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing for me, you will have joy. Even when it's tough, even when it's impossible, even when it's hard, even when you can't find a way, even when you, you actually feel depressed, but the joy of the Lord is there. What that pastor was telling me is, amen, that if I lose my joy, I've lost my way. And if I've lost my way, I need to be doing something else. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
in his presence there is joy everlasting. Not, not silly, goofy, happy stuff. I'm talking about an inner peace, a calm in the midst of the storm. A calm that says, Jesus is in my boat. And it's going to be all right. Peace. Be still. Stand to your feet.